these readings are accurate, he's here. I found him. I just hope I'm not too late. I'm sorry, who are you? Name's Tails. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. Step one, light taunting. Step two, I have no idea. Welcome to We Talk Funny. I'm your host, Ken Pringle, and you just heard there a clip from the upcoming film Sonic the Hedgehog 2, hitting theaters April 8th from Paramount Pictures. And with me today on the show is the voice of Tails himself. It's voice actress Colleen O'Shaughnessy. We're going to chat a lot about the upcoming film, and to celebrate, I'm enjoying one of Colleen's favorite cereals from her own childhood. It's the classic Corn Pops. Now, interesting factoid about Corn Pops depending on where you're eating it and where you're listening to this podcast, that bowl of Corn Pops might look a little different. In fact, Corn Pops looks completely different whether you're eating it in the United States versus Canada. In the United States, it's sort of a flattened, elliptical, irregular-looking shape, whereas in Canada, Corn Pops are actually uniformly spherical. They look a lot like the cereal Kicks. The reason for the difference? Different ingredients used in the two different countries and different results from their test marketing. I'm not exactly sure why that would have happened, but maybe it's because all of us here in America, well, we're all a little irregular ourselves. Whatever cereal you're enjoying today, whether it's irregular corn pops or perfectly spherical corn pops or some other cereal entirely, grab a big old bowl, sit back and relax, and as we always see here on the podcast, spoons up, let's dig in. Welcome to We Talk Funny. I'm your host, Ken Pringle. And the voice actor with me today, you may recognize her from shows like Digimon and Danny Phantom, but she is best known as the voice of Tails in Sonic the Hedgehog. It's Colleen O'Shaughnessy. Hey, Colleen. Thanks for hey. coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's great oh. to be here. I'm I'm thrilled to have you here. I've wanted to have you on the show for a while. I've got all sorts of fun stuff I want to discuss with you, not just because I'm a huge video game nerd, but that's definitely playing into it. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, listen, first question I want to ask you, because this is the first question I ask every guest on the show. Okay. And I think I know the answer. It's just become tradition to ask it at this point. Were you a Saturday morning cartoons kid growing up? Heck yeah. I'll, yes, <laughs> definitely. Saturday morning cartoons all the way. Yes. Justice League and um, all of the um, Looney Tunes and all of that. All day long. Did you have as, a particular as favorite? As, as long as my mom would let me keep the TV on. <laughs> that was always the was trick. <laughs> Although it did end. You know, we are not of the generation that got to watch them all day. Like, I think No, maybe, yeah, it would end about noon. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. noon, but I think my mom maybe cut it off at 11, so. <laughs> See, but, I, had the, I had the opposite problem where we had the old Zenith TV with the, the knob that you had to pull to turn on the TV. Oh, and like yeah. the big chunk, chunk, chunk channel knob and so i want to get up at like you know early morning hours to watch the early shows and i grew up in alaska so the time difference changes i had to be up at like 5 30 in the morning if i wanted to watch like turtles and things like that and that is like trying to figure out how to turn the tv on without waking up dad (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember us having a knob other than like after school cartoons if i wanted to watch the flintstones which i did of course who wouldn't want to watch the flintstones and scooby-doo um i would have to turn the top knob to a u and then the bottom knob was channel 50 or 56 yep the u channels channels for me yeah 
Johnny Sacco and his flying robot and Ultraman. Dating ourselves. Kids will not I know, know what I, the U knob no, is. Yeah. <laughs> my my kids would my own kids would be like, What are you talking about? Why didn't you just go lady? to the channel guide? Exactly. No. <laughs> because guide. it was printed in paper and I could never find it. Exactly. <laughs> or my mom had it and she was doing the crossword puzzle or something. Yeah. <laughs> For a magazine that was all about TV channels, it ended up in the bathroom an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. True, true, true story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the weird thing, I, I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, but every parent has like bizarre things that they believe that they enforce on their kids for what they think is their kids' mental health. My mom would never let me watch Scooby-Doo. What? She thought Scooby-Doo would give me nightmares. I could watch Rambo all day long. <laughs> that makes total sense. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say that, but um no, we got to watch Scooby Doo. There was stuff that my parents wouldn't let us watch too, but um we you know, when we were little, like we, they made us go to bed at like seven o'clock. And in in Michigan at nighttime in the summer, the sun is out till like ten. Mm-hmm. So we're in and my parents' bedroom was in the front of the house. So we would sneak in, we'd go to the front of the bedroom and, and we lived on a cul-de-sac and we would like wave to our friends who were playing outside. So we'd go to bed <laughs> at seven. I'm like, Mom, what? And then my sister came along and you know, wheels came off. She could do whatever she wanted. No, the later kids, really, they they don't know how good they get it. She did not have to go to bed at seven o'clock in the summer. <laughs> now, watching the Saturday morning cartoons in particular, I know that for a lot of kids, myself obviously, uh, part of that tradition of getting up to watch those cartoons was Saturday morning breakfast cereal. Did you have a yes. favorite? Oh, I loved my cereal. Um, Captain Crunch was a good one. And if we got the the special, the berries in there, that we mm-hmm. we didn't get a lot of sugar cereals either. My mom was very, she wasn't that strict, but we didn't, like, every once in a while we'd get a sugar cereal. So we, my brother and I would be like, you know, what's it going to be this week? Um, so uh, Pops, oh, Corn Pops. Corn Those Pops, were, yeah. Um, what were the other, the Honey, Honey... Oh. Which one? Honey Nut Cheerios? Honey no, Smacks? I loved Honey, honey Smacks. Honey yes. Smacks, oh, yes. Oh, I could dig into some Honey Smacks. Who needs milk with those suckers? Those are good. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't Lucky know Charms. Honey Smacks? Highest level of sugar of any breakfast cereal. Well, then that's why we liked them. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> no, it's honey. It's not sugar. Right? The funny thing is there's almost no honey in the recipe. There I talked about this on the last episode. No almost no honey in it. They just added honey because they were originally called sugar smacks, and they thought, well, honey sounds healthier. Totally healthy, 100%. So, yeah. Um, but um, Lucky Charms. <laughs> yeah, Lucky yeah. Charms. Lucky Charms, good stuff. Yep. And good then all stuff. the, like, the Frankenberry and the Chocula. We didn't get Michigan, those very often. but In Michigan, could you get those year-round? Because out here on the West Coast, you can only get them around Halloween. Oh, no, we had those. I mean – not in my house, but <laughs> but we we did yeah we could get them whenever. Like you could even get the 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 more obscure ones that, that they don't make anymore, like yummy like like a, a yummy mummy and fruit brut. And we like did not have yummy had. mummy, and I only know of yummy mummy because we did a puzzle over the over the pandemic, and it was all cereal boxes, and there were like four different iterations of yummy mummy. I'm like, what is this yummy mummy? And like, what a ripoff of Count Chocula and, and Frankenberry and all those other ones. Oh, but when they started doing the f- yummy mummy, when they started doing those monster cereals with the different fruits and stuff, like early on, there was ones that people don't even remember now, like Baron von Grapefellow and a cereal. Blueberry. What can I say? <laughs> no, I love, I'm like, oh my gosh, when I got to college, that's all I ate. I'd fill a bowl with like, I'm like, like I just take it underneath the thing and <laughs> mix them all up. And now with your particular, you know, 
uh, notoriety in the industry, having played in the, the Sonic franchise. I have to ask, are you a gamer at all? You know, I feel like I need to start becoming one because yeah. I get asked that a lot and I don't. I mean, you know, back in my day, I played Frogger and Pac-Man <laughs> and Space Invaders. Um, but no, I, you know, honest, one, I don't really have time, but um, but I don't. And I really should. I, I should because people, they're like, oh, you have to play this game. All right, I'll well, try. Personally, I think that the definition of Gov Gamer has expanded a lot nowadays because, you know, you, we, yes, there's a whole fan group. When they say gamer, they mean the hardcore gamers, streamers, things like that. But if I'm being honest, I, I consider myself a gamer. But last week, I probably played Angry Birds on my phone more than anything else. So, Oh, I, I still play the Candy Crush. Shh. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> that'll get you. While. I know, because you're like, oh, I got to save those bears. But, um, <laughs> See, I think yeah. that qualifies. Does it? it? It's okay, it's, then I am a gamer. I joked with my nephew. Certification. Totally <laughs> joked with my nephew. I'm like, I'm going to start a Twitch channel of me playing Candy Crush. He's like, do it. <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, is he's right. People would watch that. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. <laughs> People love that kind of I thing. Mean, it's it's nuts. I, think I also would don't have, have all the shot. systems that you need to play some of these games, too. I mean, yeah. I know some of them now are like, and I don't know all the MMO, RPG, like all the letters. I don't know what all those mean. Um, but I know that there's some that are like console games versus like mm-hmm. a, is that a platform? Am I, Computer am I games, right? PC games, that kind of thing. That, those, yes. Yeah. Um, versus like having an Xbox or a, like right. probably don't even have Xboxes anymore. What do I know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> PS17. I don't know. Um, we have a Wii still. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> I think that counts. <laughs> I like to play Dance Dance Revolution on the uh, on the or no, it's just Dance Party. I think I don't know. Well, they've got both, know. and you know what? I I think that that should qualify. Look, my son know? has a Switch. He plays the games. I had this great conversation with my nephew um, via text, and um, he's out. He's never been like a real chatty kid. He's awesome, but he doesn't like he doesn't like to talk on the phone or whatever. The night of the Game Awards. He texted me and um, I was watching it to see because the Sonic trailer came out and also the new game trailer came out, too. So we had this great text exchange. But he was like just assuming that I knew all the stuff he was talking about, (laughs) which I totally didn't. But it was great because he was like he's so excited about like Elden Ring. And I yeah, everybody's playing Elden Ring. right. I got him that for Christmas. I have to text him and ask him how it is because it just came out, what, a few days ago? Yeah, just a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask him how that is. Now, yeah, I, I, I do want to ask. You know, a lot of folks don't know, but you know, you and I have talked about uh, you appearing on We Talk Funny back when we were doing the live shows before the pandemic set the world on fire, and yes. someday those will come back. Uh, your history of, with stand-up comedy—I know you'd performed previously. It was a while back. Uh, when did you start with stand-up comedy? What was your history there? Okay, well, I don't really have a history with stand-up comedy. I have a history with theater and musical theater. Um, and when I moved to L.A., I was trying to do everything. And I got in this acting class, and it actually mm-hmm. was a great place for me because, you know, you go to school and you get these degrees, and maybe they're starting to do more of it now. But, but then they don't teach you anything of, like, the business side of this Nothing. crazy None. thing that we do. So I, I, you know, yeah, I came out to L.A. knowing absolute bupkis about anything and so i would you know ask people questions of course but i would it's still like i needed some direction and so i got into this acting class which one of the things that he did was every 
class, we, it was once a week, but every class before class, we sit in a circle and we had to tell him what we did for our career that week. And e- even if it was just like we worked on copy or we made mm-hmm. a phone call to a casting director or we sent out whatever, a picture to an agent, whatever it is, uh, we had to have, have at least one thing that we did for our mm-hmm. career that week. And he helped like telling us how to do that. I didn't know how to have a, a relationship with an agent or try to target casting directors. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what that meant. That was foreign territory for me. So another thing that he would do is he'd make us like face our fears. (laughs) (laughs) And so one of my things that I always wanted to try was stand up. So back to your your actual question. Um, I wanted to try it because I thought I could maybe do it, but I, you know, having never done it before. um, So that was, but so it was a big fear of mine, like, because if you get up there and nobody laughs, that what a bummer so um <laughs> so he made me do it and i i wrote a whole thing and i did it and it went really really well which made me want to do it again and then i didn't do it again i um i don't know why it just didn't yeah you know i was in an acting class i didn't know how to like <laughs> i wasn't going to show up at the comedy store and be like i'm here <laughs> i have a really funny set my <laughs> classmates loved it so i didn't really do that and then i i kept doing i moved into an improv class which was fantastic um which i think has helped with the voiceover world tremendously cuz that sure. always scared me too improv was like you just have to go and just trust and you know often it is not funny but you just got to go for it. Right. So I learned a lot in my improv class. Um, and meeting people in there, um, a good friend of mine, David Koff, was in my very my first, mm-hmm. uh, it was called The Empty Stage, was where I did improv. And I, like, I was like, I wanted to do The Groundlings, but I was terrified. I didn't think that I had the writing chops or the any kind of chops to do that. I mean, I always thought it was kind of funny i don't know but um <laughs> but you know you don't know until you try and so like the groundlings i was like wow that seems like so much pressure i just like i couldn't do it so but the empty stage that worked for me and it was it was still scary every time we performed i was like like hyperventilating backstage but i'd go out there and just do it and it was a blast so my good friend david Koff, he started um this thing called fake radio Mm-hmm. which I absolutely love to do. And unfortunately, he moved to Portland, so we don't get to do it as often. But um, they take we take scripts from radio scripts from the 30s and 40s, like those hour-long radio the dramas, things. yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they were comedies, but mostly, yeah, um, whatever the radio the hour was. Serial stuff, yeah. Yeah, and lots of times they would turn, like, a movie into a radio play, you know, like mm-hmm. they, like we've done It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas Forever. And it's like this condensed version so they can fit it into their radio hour. So we dress in period costumes and we get up on stage and just like voiceover, like you use a script, you don't have to memorize anything, but it's all improv people. So it turns into hilarity. It's very Oh, wow. It's so much fun. Yeah. Wow. I got to say the part of the story that really impresses me is, so you did stand up one time. What? Then you were done. (laughs) And I want to point out that when I was producing the live We Talk Funny show, I did not ask you to come on the show. You sought me out. We're like, hey, if you ever want to have me on your show, I'll do it. I'm like, 
that's some balls right there. What? You did stand up one time years ago and you're just like, you know what? Yeah, why not? Main stage. Let's go. Boom. <laughs> that is incredibly impressive. <laughs> I didn't actually do it, though, did I? <laughs> I'm still impressed because so many voice actors, I have to coddle them and be like, no, no, it's OK. You don't have to do stand up. Just get up and tell a story. Everything will be fine. And you're like, deep end. Let's go. I'm in. <laughs> well, you know. If Roger can do it, although he did stand up, so of course he can do it. So I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, when I'll you did come out to once. LA, were you originally coming out to LA specifically for VO, or was it a focus on theater? Was it a focus on camera? What What was your intent there? Specifically for voiceover. So I had just finished my degree degrees, two degrees at the University of Michigan, and one of them being a BFA in musical theater. Um. The other one in psychology, so I can analyze myself as to why I wanted to do this. <laughs> no, I, my original plan was to go to grad school and do music therapy. And I was like, no more school. I'm done. Two degrees at Michigan. That's that a lot. Was, oh, Lordy. I was like, uh, I'm done with school. So I was finished and I, I didn't want to go to New York. Um, all the people that I was going to know in New York were all of my musical theater people. And I didn't didn't want to. Um, and so and being in Michigan, like lots of people go to Chicago. So I was like, mm-hmm. that's not that far. I could do Chicago. But at the time, like no, theater has changed in Chicago a lot. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of musical theater. And it was a lot of theater for theater. Yeah. I'm so serious. And I was not that serious. I wanted to, you know, I want to laugh. I like the funny. I'm all about the funny. Like, so much of the voiceover stuff these days is, like, real. I'm like, oh, can't we just have the, like, not cartoony, no, like, yeah, please, I yeah, want the uh, goofy, the silly, the ridiculous. Thank you. It, a, a little part of me just cringes every time I see natural read, not over the and top, can, no, not cartoony. Yeah, and it's and like, I can do it, but yeah, aren't we I mean, making a cartoon? <laughs> let me go be an animated talking piece of cheese or something. Come on, give me something fun. <laughs> so, LA was not even a consideration at that time because I, I mean, I grew up in Michigan. I, I never, you know, I was a Midwest girl, but I was at my last semester at Michigan and I always like Saturday morning cartoons. That was like my study zone. Like, that's where I. I went around the house being Shmoo and Captain <laughs> Caveman and, you know, like Hong Kong Fooey, like I, you know, Kermit the Frog. And, and funny enough, these are all boys in my head. All my voices are girls, um, but I do a lot of boy voices. <laughs> anyway, I was doing something. We were talking about a test after class and the instructor came running over and she's like, was that you? And I'm like, oh, sorry. They just come out. She goes, no, you need to do voiceover. And it's just like this light bulb. Of, ah, that would be the perfect. I'm like, wait, that's somebody's job okay i could totally do that and then the place to do it was la so off i went yeah that's fantastic now do you remember what your first recording experience was like um my first actual paying job like like, like professional professional recording experience well the oh well that was kind of funny um well the first my very first paid job was a reporter barbie book um, you know, those books that you push the button in the thing. So you push the button. It's I fun to be a reporter. I'm very familiar with them. Of course you do. Okay. <laughs> it's fun to be a reporter. It's fun to be a reporter. I was skipper on the reporter Barbie book. Um, and I went down to Mattel down in El Segundo, El Segundo or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And they, I mean, they practically put a bag over your head and <laughs> squirrel you in the back because everything's top secret. Um, and that's where I did my audition. And they used my audition. So my very first paying job, I didn't actually go in oh, and it went do because I had already oh, I love that. done it. 
So then sort of crazy enough on the heels of that is when I booked my very first show. My very first series was The Kids from Room 402. Where mm. I played Polly McShane. She collected spoons. See, silly, crazy, out there, nuts. Um, she was nuts. I loved her to pieces. Um, and that was down at, um, we had to go down to Westwood. I believe it was mm-hmm. Westwood. It was, um, it was on Fox Kids. Oh, okay. So we're at Saban. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was kind of crazy because I hadn't certainly been in a group record before. I'd never, it was my very first anything. So all of us in there lining up and they, um, they told you where, which microphone to stand at and at Saban it was like a long skinny room so we were all in a line and then the window was in front of us like the door was on the side and we kind of filed Filed in in, yeah yeah um but I'll never forget because Polly was very loud and Edie McClure was on that show she played oh I love Edie I know she was great but she she, for whatever reason they put her next to me and (laughs) Every time I talked, she would like literally like cringe and hold her ears and like, oh, you're so loud. Like she just I blew her out of the room. Um, (laughs) And after that, she recorded by herself. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. I was just doing my thing. But, you know, you know, luckily there's knobs so they could turn the microphone down. But she was like, oh, you're you're hurting my ears. I can't take it. So. Oh, ouch. Yeah. I felt Aww. a little bad about that. Yeah, because were... it's, it's Edie. She's a legend. Oh. I know. <laughs> um, and there were real kids on that show, too. So there was a teacher sitting in the corner. So that was weird. Call me crazy, but I'm assuming the kids did not have a problem with being loud. <laughs> they didn't, but they weren't as loud as me. <laughs> we actually had Tim Conway on that show of all of all things. Like oh, wow. Tim Conway. I know. Yeah. So we were doing the mic check and I was doing my Bowie thing and she's really loud. And he's like, that's what I was going to do. I'm going to have to come up with something else now. He's so funny. We had some really great guest stars on that show. So yeah. That was my very first of anything. And then I think after that, I booked a commercial and then I did a anime. My first anime was um, Digimon. And that was yeah, huge. right on the heels. Like I actually was in the lobby of where we did Kids from Room 402 for that audition. They had all the papers up on the wall of all the different characters. Um, And that was crazy because I'd never done anime before. And you hear the beeps and then you're supposed to go. And it was like, I I had no idea what I was doing. I was, I sweated after those well, suddenly you're on so one of the stressful. biggest anime series in the world. So. <laughs> I didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> and talk about on-the-job training. I had no idea what I was doing. But, um, well, you mentioned like uh, uh, Edie and Tim Conway and stuff. Just out of curiosity, yeah. throughout your entire career, all the different projects you've done, who would you say is, is the, the funniest voice actor you've worked with? The funniest? Keep in mind that Roger is listening. I was going to say Roger because he's <laughs> freaking hilarious. Um. Yeah, don't say most talented because that's impossible. But um, I've worked with some ridiculously talented people. But seriously, those Sonic Boom sessions, we laughed our faces off. And you've got <laughs> Roger and Travis, like, making fart noises and taking pictures with their knees and fingers. You can imagine what the picture looked like. Um, and it just was hilarious. So he's, I mean, yeah, he's he's funny. Yay. Um, everyone's pretty, I mean, everybody's funny. Um and ridiculously talented, seriously. So yeah, talented. yeah. Well, I mean, to get to the, to get to your level, you kind of have to be. I mean, there's yeah. there's so much talent out there that yeah. you know studios have their choice. They can they can pick some really cool people. Yeah, and I've gotten to work with so many of them. 
you know, yeah. Steve Well, Blue. you're you're considered to be among that group, I would say. I mean, oh. your resume certainly justifies it. Well, thank you. And and speaking of, I don't know whether it's it's Polly or something else, but what would you say is the funniest role that you've played? She was pretty darn funny. Um, the funniest role I've played. Um, the first thing that popped in my head after Polly was this, this silly little show called The Glitter Force. <laughs> and I played Glitter Sunny. And I and she and, and then she, like her, you know, whatever her everyday character. She, her name was Kelsey. And then she turned into Glitter Sunny. Gotcha. Um, she was funny. She cracked me up. I mean, and I know it was mostly because Mary Elizabeth was directing. And so she got to rewrite some of the stuff. And But she was sarcastic <laughs> and snarky and hilarious. And another one where we just laughed and laughed and laughed. Wasp uh, was pretty snarky. Wasp on Avengers. She was, she had some sarcasm. But I don't know if a, she was like out and out funny. I think Kelsey was hilarious. Always a good session when you get to work with Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. It's, uh, that's the, it's the she's best. She's great. She's the best. Awesome. Now, speaking of voice directors, Mm -hmm. uh, this is a question that always makes me laugh because everybody's got stories. What would you say is the weirdest direction that you've ever received, whether it's from a voice director or if it's something in the copy? Act faster. (laughs) (laughs) You get a lot of that in anime. I'm like, that's not an acting note. Um, (laughs) Yeah, act faster. (laughs) Well, with anime, you do see a lot of very sudden emotional shifts. That's kind of a common thing. Fit the English in what's already done. So um, that's always (laughs) funny. Now, one thing I obviously, one thing I want to talk to you about is you have what could arguably be the biggest performance of your career coming up here in a few weeks with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 hitting theaters on April 8th. Yay. That is amazing. And uh, I think the question on everyone's mind is, uh, was it mocap and did they make you wear the tails? It was not mocap, but I had tails on under my pants. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. Authenticity is everything. Always shaking my tail feather. Um no, no mocap. Um, that would be hilarious. <laughs> no, I would assume. <laughs> no, that's it's amazing that that movie's coming out. I'm very excited to see it myself. Me uh, too. No. I haven't seen it. Oh, really? Oh, you no. haven't got. Oh. I haven't seen it yet. I've oh, seen wow. little snippets that were not that weren't finished yet. Yeah. So. Oh, that's going to be exciting. I can't wait. I'm just like I every day. I'm like, what is happening? Like it's just been like. <laughs> crazy pants but awesome like i just well, i'm so i do excited. feel like your story through the production of this film is is a really interesting one in particular because you've been at the center of a couple of different fan conversations about the creation of this film most recently with the whole hubbub about the movie posters poster so, gate i know yes yeah poster gate for those who don't know that are listening there was a poster that came out that had Ben Schwartz and Idris Elba listed on it, but did not have you, even though Tails is front and center on the poster and is a huge deal. And so people got a little upset about that. But when the individual character posters came out, suddenly there's a poster that is nothing but Colleen O'Shaughnessy is Tails. Boom. I thought that that was awesome to see. 
and was uh, super awesome. And did you see they they redid the big poster too? They did. Yeah, you're and on the big poster now too. My name. I felt kind of bad because it made everybody else's font so much smaller because my name's so darn long. That's <laughs> <laughs> a little bad, but well, but I I think that this speaks to something that studios are starting to understand more and adjust to a bit that. In the day of of social media where people are so aware and fans are so hyper-invested in specific franchises, we are becoming aware of the voice talent behind some of these performances now and giving them more credit than was ever given before. You know, you and I know that going back to when we were kids watching Saturday morning cartoons, I didn't know the names of the voice actors. No. The only one I knew was Mel Blanc and he, you know, he was dead. So I didn't know any of these other guys and you don't really see that anymore. You're seeing people associate voice actors with characters and it means something to them. And you have sort of inadvertently become the focal point for a lot of that conversation right now. I know. And it's crazy. And, you know, I said these very words to my agents in the very beginning when it wasn't for sure if I was going to get to do it. I said to them, I said, you know, if I get to do this movie, this is a huge win for me, but it's a ginormous win for all of us, for this whole voiceover community, because it doesn't happen. We get replaced willy-nilly absolutely and it's just ah i i'm i i i I have no words (laughs) like like words haven't been invented yet to express like how (laughs) awesome it feels like it's just well now i am curious going back to the production of the first film um you know i i hopefully not spoiling anything for anyone at this point but there was a a after credit scene at the very end that where tail steps in and has a line and that was you um where did that come along in the production process? Was that something that was added in late or did you know very early on that they were going to do that? I think it was an absolute last minute choice for them. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm not in the production, but I it felt very like, hey, let's do this thing. Um, so it was I don't know, late August or September of 2019, I think, because the movie came out okay. in 2020. Came out in 2020. Yeah. yeah 2020. So it was so it was August, September of uh 2019 um and they called my agent and they're like hey would she want to do this they called it a cameo when they said it to my agent so Mm -hmm. i had no idea it was going to be the credit scene i thought it was i'm like oh that's so nice they're gonna give me a little cameo that's nice um and then when i got there um i actually was in person with somebody that was exciting uh and jeff fowler was there and it was just me and jeff fowler and then a couple other ladies that were production people mm-hmm. um and we did it and it was so fun and he was asking me questions because i had already been doing tales for a, a few years um which was so cute <laughs> like you're asking me <laughs> okay <laughs> so um yeah and I, I had but then i found out like at the end of the session when i was like signing my my stuff that um the lady was like oh that's that's so cool you know credits you know i had no idea that, yeah. that that's what it was going to be and then i was like even more excited um but I still did not imagine in a million years that were there to be a second movie that they would use me for Tales. I didn't. I, I just thought, well, wow. they had to do it really fast. So that's why it was too, not enough time <laughs> to like audition and do the whole thing. So let's just get the person that's already doing it. That's, yeah. I don't know. And then I, th- I thought, well, surely they will find, you know, Tom yeah. Holland or <laughs> somebody else to do it. You know, I don't know. Well, and I got to say, with that particular timeline, that does 
tie into a story that I think is it paints a picture that I really like because going back to the the early part, you know, the early part of, of Sonic, the, the first film not having come out yet, there was a big fan hubbub after the first trailer released where they said, hey, the character modeling is all wrong. It's not what we were expecting. It was when people started to realize that Roger wasn't playing the role, which people got upset about, which I don't know for certain. I wasn't in the room, but the rumor I heard is that Roger was never even considered for the role. They wanted to go celebrity on it. And that's no knock on Ben Schwartz, by the way. I think he's fantastic. I, I thought he was very funny in the movie. But yeah, amazing props go out to Paramount and the production team for listening to the fans more than really most studios ever would. And going back and changing the character modeling, which when you're releasing a trailer, you're pretty deep into the process at that point. That is a massive undertaking. Yeah. And so if they were willing to do that, it sounds like maybe that is why they looked at this as a, a credit sequence as well to say, listen, these fans are invested in these characters, but more specifically in the voice actors behind them. We can't bring Roger in. We're, that that We've already fixed that, but we can still get Colleen in. And so, and then of course, when the film did come out and people saw that sequence and that started the whole rise of, oh, if they do a sequel, it has to be Colleen. It has to be Colleen. And I think it really says something that they're listening to the fan base that much and are willing to go to that much effort to do it right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm very, very pleased to see that. I, I feel like that's a big shift in thinking on how we deal with fan properties. And it's amazing to see that, uh, like I said, you're at the at the cornerstone of that. That fans were like, we want Colleen in this role. Yeah, it's it was exciting. It's it's just been and the fans seriously, who doggy have been. I like I I don't even know what to say. Like it's so touching to me. Like it, it makes me feel so great that they are so supportive and there's just been nothing but love. And I am yeah. feeling it big time. It's just been so 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 nice. Now the the. Origination of the of the Tales character does go back to the '90s with the video games with Sonic the Hedgehog two. Um, when you came on to voice Tales originally around 2010, I believe um, was that right, or was it before that? No, so 2010, I actually did Charmy the Bee in Colors. I think okay. Colors was the first video game. That, yeah. So I was Charmy the Bee. I wasn't Tales until 2014. So Sonic oh, 2014. Boom okay. came in, but we did gotcha. a game first, right? Um, and I think I was Charmy in that game too, but um. Anyway, yeah, you've yeah, been I wasn't for a while until, as well. But. Yeah, I wasn't Tails until 2014. 2014. Okay, yeah, I had my dates off there. Yeah, no, that's but right. when you came in as Tails, did you have any idea that you were coming into something that was going to be this big, that was going to have this much of an investment uh, in the fan base? No, had no idea. I was so excited we were doing it was a show cuz um you know, like the group re- Chords even before the pandemic were getting fewer and further between. Like I worked mm-hmm. on Doc McStuffins and a couple other um, if you give a mouse a cookie, they had us they could have. It was original animation. They could have had us all come in together, but they didn't. Yeah. We all came in individually. Um so, you know, the world of the group record was diminishing. Um, so I was just like, Yay, a new show and woohoo and I had but I had no idea. I mean, of course I'd heard of Sonic the Hedgehog, of course, and I'd already been working on those games as Charmy, but I had no idea. No idea. Until honestly, until they 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 brought the cast to New York for a Sonic event. Um mm-hmm. I think they I guess they do own every year or something. Yeah. I don't but it was in New York and we had oh my gosh, we had so much fun. But I that's when it like really I was like, oh, okay. There are like yeah. some 
lots and lots of fans out there that love this franchise and love everything about it. And that's when I learned that he had a full name. I didn't. His name was Tails. I didn't know he had a first and last name. I learned that from a fan. She, he had one of those like um, encyclopedias of Sonic or whatever. And he showed me the page. I'm like, no way. And then I was like, oh, that's hilarious, Miles Brower. I love it. Yep. <laughs> Miles Brower. I, yeah. I didn't know. I'm like, you guys need to tell me stuff. <laughs> so with the, uh, the Sonic franchise, would you say, do you have a particular project within that franchise that has been your favorite? I mean, I'm assuming it's probably the upcoming movie, but... For sure, the movie. But as far as like, um, you know, stuff that we've seen up till now, up not, till now. not not a few weeks from now. <laughs> Just wait. Oh my god, I can't wait. Um, Sonic Boom, hundred percent. We yeah. had oh my goodness, we had so much fun working. And you know that show was funny on the page. Like before we even got a hold of it, those writers, Bill Freiberger and Alan and Greg, they were just ew. The writing was phenomenal and hilarious, and um. Every second of working on that show was a joy. It was just Cindy and I singing and doing choreography and Nika in the corner and we've got Mike on the headphones. I mean, it was just because he was in New York. Um, <laughs> it was crazy. We had so much fun. That's awesome. And now while you're, you know, here on the show, you're on the record, do you want to take this opportunity to, uh, you know, say some crap about Roger? Well, <laughs> there was that one time. Honestly, I can't say I wish I could say some crap about Roger. <laughs> if it wasn't Roger, I'd never say it. <laughs> that Roger is a horrible human being. He's the worst of us. I can't believe he still works. He's so, such a prima donna and he's <laughs> oh, with his green M&Ms and no. Um he's just you know, he's such a good guy and he's so funny and he's so nice. Uh, I remember I remember walking in once and he was uh, he had been like down to Children's Hospital or something and doing mm -hmm. like signing autographs. And I turned to Cindy. I'm like, Cindy, turns out Roger is a nice guy, <laughs> but he is. And I knew it. I was joking. But I mean, you know, he's he's the best of the best inside and out, like just and hilarious. And I do like funny. So. No, oh, he's just going to like that clip. Oh. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. Who wants that? Yeah. No, Roger. Blah. In all seriousness, <laughs> though, I mean, obviously a big part of it is going to be because you were recording a lot of this during the pandemic where, where everything's being recorded from home now. Yeah. But what what differences did you see in playing a character that's playing opposite Roger versus playing Miles opposite Ben? You know, that's, an, that's a really good question because I, um, I had watched the movie. Uh, before I was going to go mm -hmm. in and do some stuff. And then they told me that I was going to have the opportunity to work with Ben, too. He was not anywhere near. He was, like, in Vancouver or somewhere. I don't know where he was. He was somewhere else, and I was in my closet, and everyone else was everywhere else. Um, so I watched it again with that in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so it was a different, definitely a different experience because, you know, they are different. They're both hilarious. They're both such great guys. They're so nice, both of them. Um, but yeah, he's, he, you know, he's a different actor and he approaches Sonic a little bit differently sure. than Roger does. So yeah, um, his, I feel like his take on the character is a little bit different. There's a little bit more of a, an innocence to Sonic versus Roger's performance. Not yeah. quite as, as acerbic, but still has that cocky Sonic energy. Totally. But we're also meeting him at a different time in, in the Absolutely. timeline, you know? So, um, you know, Roger Sonic was a little more established and, Right. In his world, whereas this is new Sonic. So. Right. Right. But yeah. Right. And did you get an opportunity to perform with uh, some of the other performers like like Idris Elba and such in the film or was it? No. And I didn't even know 
I didn't know Idris Elba was Knuckles until all y'all knew. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I saw that <laughs> announcement. I'm like, they're going to replace me. <laughs> I'm like, Idris Elba, that's amazing. I was so excited. Um, but then they didn't. Yay. Well, it's it's interesting because you looking at the three voice actors behind those three major roles in this film, you know, Idris Elba is definitely the one that most adheres to sort of the older studio thinking of, oh, you have a celebrity do the voice and that's what's going to sell it. And I mean, Idris is a, an amazing actor. Yeah. But you look at the previous film and having Ben Schwartz come in again, no, you know, no knock on Ben. He's an amazing guy. He's a great voice actor. But. If you're looking for somebody where you're saying, oh, on camera, yeah, unless you knew him from Parks and Rec, he he's not a name that you immediately go, oh, yeah, Idris Elba. Yeah, I know exactly who that is. Ben Schwartz, exactly. you know his work more than you know the name, yet the studio still felt like they had to go out and get somebody who had some on-camera clout to play this role. Well, I which did I thought hear was intriguing. Ben, yeah, well, I did hear Ben tell a story about how he actually got the part, and it's a little yeah. bit different. I mean, they may really? have looked oh. for a celebrity, but he... Yeah, he happened to be in the building when Jeff was, you know, working on a treatment or whatever. And I, I'm probably telling this story not exactly accurate, so I apologize if it's not exactly accurate. But, it, you know, whatever. Ben got introduced to to Jeff and he's like, oh, we're mm -hmm. doing this thing. And then they had they met and Jeff asked him to do a, you know, just like a um, what do you call those things when you like a, a screen test? Kind of, okay. kind of like well, they were they were going to be shopping it around, so they needed a oh, like a sizzle reel. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> yes, <laughs> they were doing just like a little snippet or whatever. Yeah. Um. And so they asked Ben to do it, and he's like, "Sure." And he, you know, he just did it as a favor for them, and that's what they used to pitch the movie. Oh wow! Yeah. And then when it got, you know, when Paramount bought it or said yes to it or however that happens in movie land, um, they I think they did look for. A different Sonic, but they kept going back to that original piece. And um Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's fantastic because yeah. you know, people don't realize that Ben does have a lot of voice acting. He does. He credits has... on his resume. I mean he does. you know, and so it's great to hear that ultimately what got him that role was his talent as a voice actor, which is the way it should be. Yeah, they kept going back to it. So um yeah, they didn't just go I, I out did and not... say, oh, we need another celebrity to go opposite Jim Carrey and, you know, we, wh who are we going to put on the poster? And said it was it was focusing on who performs the role the best. Yeah. I love that. And from what I understand, he wasn't on the first poster either. And he was Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> not not this oh. movie, but the first movie. Yeah, the first movie. I, I yeah. didn't know that, but now I am yeah. absolutely going to have to go back and yeah, look. Yeah, <laughs> it's just James Marsden and, and Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey. He might be on the bottom. Like, I wasn't even on the bottom, the little teeny tiny. Yeah. You know. And Tinka oh, Sunder, yeah. too, her face is on it. Her name is was at the bottom, but then they when they put mine up at the top, they put hers, too. Uh, credit so. Credits in this town are so bizarre. You, uh -huh. you just never know how it's all going to work out. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm learning so much because I'm, you know, I love what I do. And I, you know, part of that is not being part of all that Hollywood mm. stuff. So I don't. I mean, I've heard tell of those things, but I haven't had to, you know, oh, you're supposed to fight for that. Like, the, what do they call it? Above the line. Which, yeah. 
I never thought my name would be above the line. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But, <laughs> well, and, um, and interestingly, in most cases, having been a producer, I've been on the other side of it. That's something that gets heavily negotiated with oh, agents yeah. about exactly where your name is positioned, not just above the line, but where it appears in the opening credits. Will it yeah. be in the opening credits? Is it an and credit? Is it a with credit? I was credit? just going to say, is there an is and <laughs> introducing and with? Special, yeah, you those know, all yeah. get negotiated a lot. Yeah. And with you, it was like, I mean, I'm sure your agent was pushing for you. Don't get me wrong. Well, she, but... she pushed for the um the credit. So I will yeah. have I have a shared card, whatever that means. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so but, I don't even I mean, know. You definitely well, had a lot of push with. coming from the fan base as well to make sure that you were recognized in this role. Yeah. So yeah, that's, so, that's no, and amazing. it was huge. And then they came out with a poster with just me, and I was like, come on, yay! That's so cool. <laughs> that was I, so great. You know, when your husband Very builds exciting. that uh, that vocal booth that you're having built right now, I really hope that poster ends up somewhere in that booth office area. Yeah. It needs to be there. Oh, for sure. Well, I have all of my show posters and things on a wall in my in my dining room. Um, yeah. And so I think I'll put my. I don't. It depends on what the Taj Mahal ends up looking like. <laughs> I'm seriously, he's building all this crazy stuff. Like, um, so I think there's going to be like some kind of shelf, something behind me. So I'll try mm-hmm. to, we'll see. I don't know. And I don't even know how wide it's going to be. I don't, it's, it's getting smaller and smaller as he keeps adding sound stuff. <laughs> I might be in a little too, but no, it's going to be about three, almost three and a half feet. Now, as we are coming up on the movie release here in a few weeks, have you thought about what are you going to wear to the premiere and will it involve foxtails? <laughs> I have thought about it. I do have a dress. It's not like going to the Oscars. I mean, I'm not going to be like, you know, whooping and stuff. Right, right, right. But so the, the weird balance. But you, like, you're still walking a red carpet at the same time and, and yeah. standing in front of a step and repeat. Yes. So I do have. Yeah. See, I don't know. The big thing that appears behind people when, you know, get the photo and it's got all the logos and the movie logo on it over and over. It's called a step and repeat. Okay. See, now we know. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I do have a dress and I do have some new shoes, um, but I want to show them to the people first before Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just decide. I mean, I think it's right. I think it's a perfect in between of. But I don't. Yes, I've been stressing over this. And my husband was like, who cares? I'm like, I care. Well, listen, I, I can't tell you what to do, but I, if I had a call on it, I'm going to say, wear a great dress. You're going to look fantastic. Wear running shoes. Just running shoes at the bottom. We'll all know what it means. Yep. I know. I know. So, well. Well, listen, this has been a lot of fun. Before I let you go, uh, one of the things that I like to do on this show, because it was a big part of Saturday mornings for me, is I love to play a game. Okay. Uh, are you up for a game? I love to play games. Yay! Awesome. Okay, so we are going to play a little game called Cold Reads. So, the way this game works is I ask voice actors to read a script that they have never seen before, and it can be literally anything. The only thing I promise is that it'll be nothing offensive, because we do try to keep the show family-friendly, but it's a script that you've never seen before, and we will have you read it as a character that you are known for, and just see what happens on your very first go-through. Okay. Now, for you, because you are the voice of Tales, I've chosen something special here. I've just sent you a script Uh, The one we're going to look at is called Script One. Because you are Tales who premiered in Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and are now appearing in Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in theaters on April 8th, we're going to put you into a different video game franchise. This will be Tales in Portal 2. (laughs) Okay. All right. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Get mad. I don't want your damn lemons. What the hell am I supposed to do with these? 
demand to see life's manager. Make life rue the day it thought it could give Miles, Tails, Prowler, lemons. Do you know who I am? I'm the one who's going to burn your house down. With the lemons. I'm going to get my engineers to invent a combustible lemon that burns your house down. <laughs> In a role that was originally read by J.K. Simmons. But you know what? Oh, I my like God. This one that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more script here for you. Okay. And uh, just for fun, we'll say this one's uh, Sora from Digimon, because we're going to put this into something a little a little different, okay. a little, still a little digital. This will be Sora as Agent Smith from The Matrix. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species, and I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment. But you humans do not. You move to an area, and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You're a plague, and we are the cure. <laughs> I'm picturing you him. A, you have such a cute, innocent voice, and it just it so contrasts. The You're a virus. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for doing that. That was hilarious. I love it. Uh, listen, before we wrap up here, any last words of advice for new voice actors out there who are looking at getting into the business? Acting class. It's voice actor. I say take acting class, improv class, do theater, um, take Steve Bloom's class. He's awesome. Oh, Steve's got a fantastic class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Listen to other people's demos before you start yours, but don't copy theirs. Do your own. But um, find your own voice. Um, You know, just because you can sound similar to like J.K. Simmons, we we just talked about. Um, You be you. Don't be J.K. Simmons. and think in terms of creating characters, not just funny voices, because you have to be able to sustain a character throughout an entire script or whatever it is that you're working on. Those are my pearls. And nice. have fun with I it. I like if it. If you don't have fun, then you can, then there's no, you know, find the joy in it. No reason to get into this business if you don't truly, truly enjoy it. And enjoy every part of it. You know, I see so many actors that are like, oh, I wish I didn't have to audition. No. I love auditioning. You, you get to audition. You've I found yes. so many fun things. Like the last week I've had some really interesting ones and it's just been so I'm like, "Oh, look what I just did." <laughs> you Do know, you have any fun. idea how many jobs there are that I didn't get, but I got to audition for and when the project gets released, my thought is, "Oh, I want to hear who they actually got and what did they do with it?" I do that I do the same thing. I do. And I keep some of mine that I I go back and I'm like, oh, "I got to use that for something else or try to, yep. you know, find a way to make that one work absolutely absolutely enjoy the ride it's it's all about the all about the ride there uh thank you so much for talking with me colleen this has been a lot of fun everyone listening go see sonic the hedgehog 2 in theaters april 8th i know i'm going to be there i can't wait and i'm going to go ahead and take us out now with the same words i end every week with the words my mom would tell me when the saturday morning cartoons had finished the show's over go outside and play Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking with you. Yay!